0: All right, back sports page off topic right now on, on the show with us. Our good friend, he's out there being, uh, I guess, the king of Magic the Gathering. Jimmy Wong, how are you tonight, my friend?
1: <laughs> you know, that's one thing to be the king of. I'm super down, though,
0: dude. Uh, that's awesome. That's how, so it's funny you say that because, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading up uh, as far as the Magic the Gathering it goes. I'm a very, um, what's the best word to this guy? I'm very illiterate when it comes to it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I'm not gonna. am not gonna you tell know, you. All right, though. I'm not gonna tell you that do I understand uh, it. But I'm shooting a text message right now to to a good friend of mine who owns a video game store, and they have Magic the Gathering tables at the at his video game store. So I watch it. I'm around it all the time.
1: Now my question to you: Do you uh, are you a board game guy?
0: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. What kind of guy?
1: A board game guy.
0: I used to be when I was younger. I used to be well, okay.
1: I think of Magic is just like an, uh, this crazy evolution of board games. It's been around for 22 years, but it's just like the card game. You know what I mean? It's competitive. It's always evolving. And it's pretty easy to learn, but hard to master. So I think it's actually had a massive expansion in terms of how many people players are playing it. I think they said like the player base has doubled every year for like the past three or four or something crazy, dude. How long have you been playing? Uh, I played when I was a kid because I grew up in Seattle. And Seattle, Washington was where the game was invented. And then I picked it back up as an adult they had this thing called expendable income. And then uh, Magic the Gathering came around and gave me a call.
0: How cool is it to be doing that Like and, and get paid for it?
1: You know, it's really interesting because whenever I try to explain to my parents, who are Asian and originally wanted me to be a doctor or you know a classical pianist, uh, what I'm doing, it's always hard for them to grasp that there is money to be made from this sort of stuff. Uh, but the, you know, the fact of the matter is every company and branding is a big part of every company and every product that comes out, so... You, know, you always got to represent your project in a way that hopefully connects with a large audience. And being a host gives me that opportunity, which has always been a pleasure and, of course, an honor.
0: Now, explain to me the the Command Zone podcast. Is it strictly for the Magic the Gathering fan base?
1: Yeah, although, you know, we've sort of covered a lot of stuff that I think is a lot more, like, life lesson The podcast is dedicated towards a specific format of the game, which is uh, you only get—you play 100-card decks instead of, like, 60 or 40— but no card can be the same, So, and you have one card that like represents your whole deck. Uh, so it's very similar to like if you play a game like League of Legends, like when you choose a champion, you get all the skills that come with it and all the things that are in that champion's wheelhouse. It's sort of like the format that we're doing here. Uh, but you know, we talk about the main thing that really sets the part though is it's multiplayer. And that's why I asked about board games, because you play with four people and politics are a huge part of the game. In terms of leveraging your way to the end, you know, like examining what's happening on the battlefield and explain to other players, you know, you should do X, Y, or Z, or no, you shouldn't do that because of this. Uh, so it's like got all these layers and stuff. So we've had episodes where we just talk about Sun Tzu or Machiavelli, and those are episodes that I think anyone can actually listen to and, and pick up something from.
0: Talk to me about being, you know, being out in Seattle. I'm assuming that you were a huge, huge, huge Seahawks fan
1: i'm yeah, guessing dude i love the seahawks man oh uh, you know i started watching them when i was in seventh grade and it, it those were not pleasant years for the team and you know like anyone from seattle like we we wear the same chip on our shoulder that you always hear that richard sherman and all those guys have too which is we don't have a freaking basketball team man we lost our team you will soon lost-
0: <laughs> you will soon <laughs> yeah
1: I hope so. I mean, like, it looks like teams are just being gifted around the league in every sport right now. Uh, but, you know, like, being a Seahawks fan has been a huge part of my childhood, like an identifying part of me.
0: Well, you say, and obviously as you just said before, there's no basketball team. I, w- I can tell you that the NBA is working on getting you guys an NBA team again. I understand they're finally fixing out the key arena. Either they're upgrading yep. it or they're building a new arena out there. Um, you moved to Los Angeles. Uh, how often do you get back to Seattle?
1: I try and go back as much as I can. Occasionally I'll go for work. Uh, but for the most part, I try and go back for Christmas and uh, one time during the summer, and then PAX is a convention that happens at Arcade Expo at the end of around August, September. And, you know, it's great. Like 100,000 people get together in Seattle. There's a lot of magic there, of course, but there's also just me being back in my hometown, which is great.
0: Now, you went to uh, Los Angeles to become an actor. Um, Did you think that the Magic the Gathering... um, Projects that you involved with would become you'd become bigger with that than for acting in that sense.
1: You know, it's really crazy. I think hosting is the biggest difference between what I did when I first came here and what I'm doing now. Because when I came to LA, I was like, "Yo, time to be an actor, do the grind, submit yourself for a billion things, do extra work for crappy, like weird, low budget movies where you really don't actually know what's going on ever, get paid like fifty bucks a day." Um, but when I started to do more hosting-based work, it was sort of at the same time that there was, like, a big rise in the popularity of board games and even video games to a certain degree, um, because it's, it's the idea of, like, gaming is just, I think, a huge part of society now, just through and through. I mean, it's always been there with sports, right? Like, we've always loved to watch games and watch people box and wrestle and do these physical activities, but for a lot of the populace, this is not a reality for their body type to get into the ring or the field and do any of that, so... Gaming, I think, gets us the same mental satisfaction of what playing one of those more physical games does. In the same way that, you know, like, we all know someone that got really into cooking. You know, like, all that sort of stuff kind of is a game. And when I started hosting a lot more, I found that this was a part of my childhood that I really identified with. I knew a lot about, you know, like, I could talk your ear off about the Seahawks, but I don't know if I could really explain to you the intricacies of why they're running a nickel defense or whatever. (laughs) But I could talk your ear off about a board game and why something's happening, you know, in that realm. Uh, and, you know, like, it just ended up marrying together really well because the company wanted to be more front-facing. So, they, so we, you know, me and my podcast co-host, Josh Lee Kwai, who's also a Pacific Northwestern, we made this podcast, and we were like, we're doing this because we want to be, you know, we want to raise the quality bar in the field because, you know, we're entertainment professionals. We've been doing this for a few years now. And it just happened that it coincided with the company being like, great, we, we want more public representatives of our game out there because that's how we're going to really market this to a, a new audience and a new generation.
0: I have to also ask you about uh, Video Game High School. Talk to me about oh, yes. te- and also that, also My Music. Uh, you did back in 2012, 2013, and then you did Video Game High School 2012 through 2014. Can you discuss yeah. the difficulty of doing a web series?
1: That's a really great question. Um, I think we've all heard someone say, like, I'm making a web series. Uh, because the Internet's this place where you can put anything, and no one's going to you know, stop you. you. know, YouTube has a billion different videos that you've never seen and never will. But you know, saying a web series means so many different things. And my brother, who came to uh, L.A. five years before I did, he went to USC and graduated and has a great connection of friends from, you know, it was a great starting base for him out here. They decided to start doing YouTube back in like 2012, and that's when stuff, 20 actually 2010, sorry to go even further back, uh, and that's when stuff really started to pop off was in 2012, and when my brother decided to make a web series, it was always their goal as cinema students to make something that had story and had a plot line and was more significant than just a two-minute video of people shooting each other with guns, uh, and so they kick-started for their first season of this web series, and then turned into this project that spanned the next four or five years of production and post-production uh, for three seasons of this show. And, you know, the goal was always to make it as close to, you know, TV quality as possible because why not? You know, you went to school for this, you studied it, there's no reason to skimp on quality if you can. So they really put a lot of their soul and hearts into it. And I was very lucky uh, to be cast as one of the main characters. It, to explain the show in a nutshell, it's like Harry Potter, but for video games. So you have three main characters, characters, uh, you know, it's a love interest and kind of a villain character as well. And that evolved a lot over three seasons. But by the end, you know, the season three was six episodes of 30 to 45 minutes. And it was kind of like our version online of doing what HBO and Netflix is doing offline, um, which is making shows just saying, okay, we're just going to make a TV show. and We're not going to wait for a major network or anyone else to do that. Breaking Bad is also in that line of content. The Wire, you know, Game of Thrones is definitely the biggest one. Ah, uh, so you know, in our way, that was how we wanted. That's how we graduated out of the web space was with video game high school. And I, g-
0: I guess the next question I have for you now is: with with all these different, I don't want to say outlets, but all these different platforms. That's the word I was looking for. All these different platforms is TV really the, the necessity now? Because you have you have on demand channels, you have on demand internet spots where you can go to watch video so yeah is it is it now for something that that, like some of these projects that you've done is being on television really the answer at this point
1: that is another excellent question and the thing is i think that i think everyone from a certain age and below who grew up with the internet or grew up and had the internet enter their lives uh, at like a young age tv is not anything more than just another monitor and what comes through that monitor is most often the internet, because uh, it's just you know it's built into every TV now. It's built into literally everything. And for that generation, TV means something completely different. Um, and it's funny. I'm saying all this with a caveat that I'm actually on a show on Disney XD, <laughs> which is a 100% a cable channel. Um, but the big thing I think for a lot of younger generation people is that we you know we don't want to pay extra 60, 70 bucks to have cable set up when we can either watch the replay on Hulu or we can, you know, even just like a lot of people pirate it. Sure, you know, it's, I'm not condoning it, but it's just how it works with the younger generation that's more resourceful with their use of the internet. But we always still forget that, you know, up to the age of 30, everyone from 36, 37, all the way to 90 is watching TV and using cable. So TV still serves a huge, huge purpose in a lot of people's lives. It serves a gigantic purpose in our current resident's life, as he apparently is a fiend for cable TV, for better or for worse. But, you know, like, you kind of get stuck in in this crazy world where it's like, you need both. And they both convey a lot of information and entertainment. And without the big TV, you can't really have the version of TV that we're using now, which are the premium channels. Like, that all came from somewhere. The precedent has been set. And that's not, you know, that's not to say that, like, big TV doesn't have some amazing shows, too. I think everyone remembers the first season of Lost as one of the most significant, like, societally impactful shows that had happened in entertainment in a while. So, you know, like, you could say that all those things paved the way for the cool stuff that we get now, So they're both a necessity. And what may happen eventually is, like, give us, you know, 20, 30 years, TV will have been, cable will probably have found its way to be replaced by some internet amalgam form of something.
0: Well, yeah, because now, now, today, because of like Roku's and Apple TV and everything else like that, you don't just need to buy the internet, yeah. and you and you can, <laughs> and you can have uh, you can have all the channels you want. That's it. Not
1: mm-hmm. just that. You just go on any of those, and it's like I want to watch a movie. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to click a button, and then I'm just going to watch it. If you told that to me when I was seven, and we went to Blockbuster, I would have shat my pants dude I was like no way that's unbelievable
0: well you know what's what's interesting too you say that like me I'm one of those people now where I can I'll get home and instead of knowing exactly what I want to watch I'll tune around and maybe I'll see one of those old shows I used to love back in the day, like that's that's not yeah. available anywhere on demand, you know <laughs> you know it's just it's just one of those things where sometimes you don't really know exactly what you want to watch, you think you know what you want to watch, but you have no idea, and you just yeah. find that right thing. so I think that's still, I think TV will still cable TV will still have a purpose, but yeah, I think certainly you know and you know you're, you're you're only 30 years old, so you're you're in a from a generation now that sort of grew up more with social media in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because social media didn't dominate my high school years in the way that it does now. Like, I know for a fact that I've heard a lot of kids talking about how Instagram followers in high school is just a huge barometer for likability, for, you know, just the number of dumb high school intangible factors. Whereas back in the day, it was still sports and, you know, those sorts of things were the, the barrier for entry for quote unquote cool because um, like when I, I remember getting AOL discs and signing into 128k photos back in the day
0: oh god and yeah I remember those it,
1: too yeah, <laughs> yeah right oh, yeah. Prodigy yeah, and the, <laughs> the speed was lightning fast yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the speed of grass growing but uh, yeah it's crazy social media but now in my life it's just a huge major component I, I'm thinking about numbers all the time that, that make a difference when you submit for casting and when you talk to anyone about something
0: well, and also like what were, like what were the major uh, social media networks you had you had uh, MySpace yep um,
1: LiveJournal and the Dead Journal for the emo kids Yeah. Me. <laughs> you had Friendster uh, yeah yeah Friendster yeah I, mean, I think LinkedIn's actually been around forever but no one knows actually LinkedIn's actually been around since the dawn of mankind But
0: I think the, the secret I, th- we share. I think the problem with LinkedIn is like I think it was one of those best hidden secrets from business networking, and then it turned into a social media.
1: Yeah, it did not need to. I mean, it's like it's like what happened when World of Warcraft came out, which is this massive game, MMORPG, massively multiplayer online, and it was the only game for a long time. Everyone was like, we're going to make our own version. It's like, nope. It's like, that's what Facebook did. And then LinkedIn was like, now nah, we're going to try and get that again the social game, too. And it just ends in you receiving way too many no- email notifications from them when you just want to know where someone's, like, worked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it really is. So now talk to me about some of the upcoming projects that you're working on right now.
1: So the big show that just got announced and is actually happening two days from now is a show on Disney XD, which is – I refer to it as Disney's, like, sister channel. It's got a lot of animation on there. People who know the show Gravity Falls, that's where it originated, with Disney XD. They're doing a summer block of entertainment called DXP, so experience points, like in gaming. And every night on that channel from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., you can go and watch a new sort of selection of entertainment. And I'm doing a show on it that is like, I'm calling it the SNL of video games. Uh, you know, we we filmed the digital shorts and like really fun little skits and all comedy bits. And then we there's a big uh, sort of couch gaming area, and we bring in a lot of people from around the entertainment world. So... On the episode on Saturday, uh, I'm hosting. It's going to be with Nolan Gould, who plays Luke on uh, Modern Family. Okay. And then you have Steve Zaragoza and Trisha Hirschberger who were of SourceFed fame, and they're just awesome hosts that have been around the internet and are super veterans. Uh, and we're just playing a bunch of games, showing shorts, and it's like this sort of like big fun party time. I don't know how else to describe it. Then, like, we're trying to like make it feel like you're just hanging out in the living room with a bunch of your friends. Uh, except the, it just happens to be filmed by, you know, 50,000 cameras <laughs> or whatever.
0: <laughs> how how Now, let me ask you, how difficult is it right now for you wanting to be an actor um, as far as taking meetings, going out to these auditions, um, talking with your, your people to make sure it's, like, the right type of project for you? And are yeah. you worried about being typecasted? Because um, not to – this is going to sound a little weird to say it, but – I always feel that there's when when certain ethnicities get typecasted too much.
1: Oh no, of course. I mean that's just like a known factor of life. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and, and then the problem is is that the you know when they do have an ethnic role, they just put a white dude in it instead. You know, we all remember Jake Gyllenhaal was the Prince of Persia. Uh,
0: which made no sense. <laughs> Which made no sense whatsoever. <laughs>
1: you know, it's like, you know, we had the whole Scarlett Johansson thing about it, too. And the problem is, and this is, this is the nature of the beast, right? Like, it's an issue, and the best way to fix the issue is to confront it face-on and just make a lot of noise about it. You know, that's how civil rights got accomplished in this suffrage. You know, you've got to raise your voice about it. But you can't do that without having prominence in the industry you're in, right? You can just be a voice, and you can maybe, you know, you could, here's, there are a couple options here, right? In entertainment, you could be a voice that is like a Martin Luther King-esque figure. You gather a giant community around you, and you really enforce that community to make a hubbub about something that needs to change. Uh, And that's a very impactful way to do it. Another way is to be like a George Clooney, where you've raised to the level of such fame that you are able to actually impact the world in crazy ways. And Clooney is like a great example of this. So is um, Matt Damon has done a lot of work too, and like that. So there's sort of two ways of doing it, and the big thing though is out of all of it is being more present and being a larger entity is the most important thing. It's the fact that that's just the similar thing between both of them. So when I do a show like this, it's great. You know, I get to be on one of the most successful companies in the world that has created some of the most iconic animations in the world. It's like it's like an offshoot of that. But in a way you're you know, you are put into a position where you get to talk for a lot of voices and you get to be a big representative part of that. So it's a lot more pressure on me, I think, if anything, to just make sure that I'm being a positive and not toxic voice in the, in the whole thing. And also not toxic, like, cause the problem when you talk about a lot of the stereotype issues is that people take an immediately defensive stance to it. Like you're calling them out for being bad people or something. No one, uh, we get it, you're not a bad person, it's fine. It's just that things have to change for a reason. And so doing that is also a risky balance because then you, know, you risk pissing people off when you get too loud. So it's just sort of just like that is what I kind of tackle the most in my life, which is like making sure that I keep making a bigger impact and hopefully have a bigger voice and influence to change the world for the better, and not tiring people out with that message along the way. You know, you want to inspire someone, not affront them. So it's a it's a tough balance, and entertainment is full of a lot of people watching and constantly judging. But I mean, so is everything in the world. Uh, so it's just a it's a difficult balance to strike.
0: Well, you know, you 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 bring up that's a, it's a, such a tough argument too with, with that in Hollywood because you're right. How many times have you seen someone be put into a role that doesn't even fit them? <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, or it just doesn't work, and the movie tra- is trash. You know, like a lot of movies are defined by the actors, and when you're putting a million, ten million, a hundred million dollars into something, of course Disney's not going to find the Aladdin they want. There is so much money riding on this that you need to make sure you're 100% confident in your choice or whatever. And people making a hubbub about that is like, look, I'm guessing they did a pretty darn good job searching and they, keep, and they will keep searching, but there's a reason that they don't want to mess it up. You know, like they are playing with fire here. Yeah. the wrong move is like United-level incident. You know, you just drag the dude off the freaking plane.
0: Now, this is going to be a little bit before your time, um, but I was a huge fan of the movie Major League. Um, oh yeah
1: ma- <laughs>
0: major major league, and then like they made major league two because they were stupid not to because of the amount of money they made off the first one, and yeah. they couldn't get Wesley Snipes back in to do the second one, so they obviously recasted his character, and then they try to make a third one, and then you're just sitting there going, what are you doing like if you're not going to get the, if, if you you can't cast it the right way, then don't cast it all. Don't, just don't do it. And have yeah. you have you been in any situations where you see projects are being greenlit? Have, like, have you gone to any auditions or been in any situations where a project was greenlit, but it's just not... You can tell it's it, the project was sort of doomed to fail.
1: Dude, that's like... I feel like we see that all the time, and part of Hollywood is being like, oh, I bet that thing's going to tank. You know, it's sort of this insider betting game that everyone has mentally, which is like, Wow, they're doing that again, and you get really hypercritical of stuff. And I was exactly that way about the first two reboots of Spider-Man after Tobey Maguire's, because you know, it was such, it it fell into the whole like we got to be gritty, we got to be dark line of things that it just gets sort of corrupted by that, you know, we got to play with what society kind of is digging right now.
0: Yeah, but it was too uh, soon, too. It, I felt... It was way too soon. Same I thing mean, with... It's f- been
1: three, sa- three times in 15 years. Same, same thing, thing
0: with Batman. Same, same thing with the Superman versus Batman. Like, this, oh, yeah. this okay. generation was like the Dark Knight, Christian Bale. You, you can't touch it. And then all of a sudden, Ben... like then And then you tell us Ben Affleck's going to be Batman, the same guy who failed as Daredevil? The same guy,
1: exactly. The
0: same guy who, you know, we call him, um, you know, Mister Mister Jennifer Garner. You're like, really? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that. that Yeah, I
1: think of Evanescence every time I think of uh, of that guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a good song, Uh, though. It's a good. It's a great song, dude. That was a jam. (laughs) Uh, I still sing in the karaoke if I can try. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know, that's just how it goes. It's weird, you know, because it made money the first time. So hey, they wanted to make money the second time too. So Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like it's just just. It's this game where, you know, you've got to post profits. You've got to be successful as a company. And sometimes making the safe move is the one that is, in a way, correct, because your company will not tank as a result, but so not creative, if that makes sense. It's more made more for the strategy than it is for the art. Right. And I think that's what Hollywood's always battling against.
0: And that's why there's such thing as called passion projects, and then there's ones exactly. that are studio movies. And exactly, yeah.
1: And <laughs> it maybe maybe that's kind of the difference between like basic cable sometimes, and you know, a, a, a HBO Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's still objectively in their own right a story, and there's quality acting sometimes. There's quality script writing. There's some quality in there. It's lit well. It's shot well. You know. But, you know, it's just a very different experience, I think, than when someone's just being like, I'm going to be bold, I'm going to try something, and if it loses a lot of money, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Well, you're not going to look down on me if I told you I don't watch Game of Thrones, do you?
1: No. I mean, look, dude, not everyone has the time, or HBO, to, to log however many hours it is to watch a full show. Everyone's got something else they have to invest their time in, and if it's like, you know... Raising a child, I'm not going <laughs> to make yeah.
0: this. Oh no, I'm a single dude, but like, I'm. Everyone and their sister keeps telling me, "How do you not watch Game of Thrones?" And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's
1: not making it easier to start, right? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because I understand people have. It's like
0: you know, you. I know people who are very addicted to Magic: The Gathering. There's nothing wrong with yeah. being addicted to it, but it's.
1: Well, I mean, if you're if you're being financially irresponsible, then for sure, but. Yeah, within reason. You know, I've been telling people this: if you want to watch Game of Thrones and you don't have the time to invest into six seasons of, like, hour-long episodes, ten ten, uh, episodes each season, go on YouTube and they've posted, you know, straight up just, like, 20-minute recaps of the full season that play out like little mini-movies, and it's pretty sweet. And if you want to watch any more of the additional scenes, you can probably find them online. And if you want to just have, like, spend, like, two hours to catch up on the whole thing, you definitely could.
0: So now I guess the next question I have for you is what would it take for me to get you out here to New Jersey? To, I was telling you, my buddy's shop to Level 1 Games yeah. and to come out there for a night and, and, and school everybody on Magic the Gathering. What would it take for me to get you out here?
1: <laughs> I would probably be schooled, I mean. But I would, uh, you know, if there's, a, there's these things called Grand prix, and if there's one in the area. Or if I'm going to something like New York Comic Con, I could totally see myself uh, just taking the train out to Jersey, you know.
0: Yeah, listen if you i will help make that happen you know what i mean if you if you really want to do it and you want to come out there or if we can even make a web show out of it you know you know we can we can do anything i'm open I'm open for new ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, hey, a, man, that's a man, great invite. Yeah, we'll it's would
1: gladly man. document the experience cuz I think it would be pretty fun.
0: Yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. Like, plus not only that, you, like, you know, you're a businessman, I'm, business, I'm a businessman, I'm a businessman, so it makes the almighty green we all
1: got to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see green.
0: I see green. Yeah, exactly. Jimmy, I appreciate you giving me some time. It's it been a great pleasure trying to get to know you a little bit here and uh listen, you know, I'm a giant fan and uh, you know, here's another here's another idea that you and I can Bond with, the Giants are playing oh, the Seahawks sure. this year.
1: Oh boy! Yeah, well, Eli. I hope we, I. You know we got Richard Sherman at corner. We have a pretty good defense. I'm just always afraid of that deep ball. You know what I mean? He's he can huck it.
0: Well, he can hike it now. Yeah, but we have four. Uh, we have four great
1: receivers this year. I don't want to talk about how damn good. Odell Beckham <laughs> <laughs> he is, lights out just a freak of nature love okay, kid, okay let me, crazy,
0: let, me let me throw it a different way we have three good receivers on Odell Beckham <laughs> oh
1: there you go feel a little better here's the thing you can't can't love him unless you hate him right <laughs> He's yeah like those polarizing guys well what's you know, the if you throw o- a ball towards his face he'll catch it
0: well what's the line that um they said in the dark night you, you either uh die a hero or, or live long enough to become the enemy yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what it is.
1: It's exactly he's it is. happy to be the enemy in this case. <laughs> yeah. He's catching balls. If he wasn't catching balls, he couldn't talk them him as much trash, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. He's got to go on. That's, that's great, man. Well, I look forward to the matchup.
0: Oh, awesome, man. It's mean,
1: this team win.
0: Well, we'll be in contact before then, and I'll and I'll text you. <laughs> maybe maybe we might have to make a little friend friendly wager on it. Who knows?
1: Oh, I'm super down. You know, I, I love gaming, so it's, we'll talk about it.
0: You got it, Jimmy. I appreciate it.
1: All right, cool, man.
0: All right, thanks for giving right, thanks us a few so minutes to tonight, man.